This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Ornish Church on this February the 27th, 2022. Guest speaker today, Reverend Oris Hubbard. We'll start the service off today with the praise team and the Pine Level Pentecostal Ornish Church Choir singing God is good all the time. God is good.
Thank you, choir. Good job. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, it's the moment that we've been looking for. Brother Oris, you can come up now. And we look, again, we thank him very much for him and his wife being here. And thank you for bringing the word of God today to us. Bless you, Brother Mike. God bless you. Praise God. He has no rival. He has no equal. That is our Jesus that we serve. Don't you try to talk to me about how God can't do something. Because he can. If he can come forth from the grave, he can do any little petty thing in my life that he wants to do. And he's done it in yours. Amen? He has blessed us beyond measure and we're just so honored that that he would allow us to have a part in his kingdom. And I'm honored to be able to be with you today. My wife Rose is joining with me. And we have a, um, we're at that empty stage in life right now. And uh, we enjoy that stage. Uh, we've got five grandchildren and spent the day with Three of them yesterday, one set of twins less than two years old. And uh, it was when, when we got in the car to head home, and the older one is just under five. She'll be five in, in uh, May. But um, has anybody ever heard the phrase, silence is golden? <laughs> We got in the car, they live in Benson, and we were heading back to Falcon, and, and we weren't talking, the radio wasn't on, and I just had to say, oh, silence is golden, uh, but we love them and love all the activity. They had actually spent the night with us in Falcon the night before, and uh, we had you know, and, and I've said many times now, Brother Mac, we do know why God gives small children to younger people. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't trade. Uh, as you can see, my name starts with an O. So we decided I would be Opa and she would be Oma. And uh, we found out after we had already chosen them that that's what uh, German descent people and a lot of Europeans call grandparents and they ask us sometimes, oh, you, you have German descent? No, just my name starts with an O. And that's, that's what we decided. But um, it's good to be here, very honored to be here. And um, uh, we do want to continue to pray for Brother Farrell and, and Sister Millie and all those that are being affected by uh, sickness and disease. And let's just continue to lift them up in prayer. I'm going to be using as a launching pad this morning Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. And uh, before I, I read the scripture to you, let me just uh, give this as an introduction. A little before midnight on April 14th, 1912. The largest, most luxurious ship afloat was making her maiden voyage about 95 miles south of the Grand Banks of Newfoundland. You already know where I'm heading. The 46,000-ton White Star Liner, which people said could not be sunk, 
was steaming along about 22 knots when it hit an iceberg. That iceberg ripped a 300-foot gash in the double-bottomed hull of this great ship. Water gushed in to five of the 16 watertight compartments and pulled the great ship under the icy water. At 2.20 a.m. on April the 15th, the great Titanic sank to the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. Of the 2,224 people aboard, 1,513 would not survive the sinking of the Titanic. You've heard that many times before, I'm sure, of this great ship that just could not be sunk, but it did. Boats are made to float and to carry people across the water. But when boats begin to sink or have issues, you get off of those boats. You get off of those ships. And it's time to get on more sure ground. Uh, all of us have been on in difficult situations many times. And I want us to look this morning at a few different boats that we probably need to abandon and move on to something a little more sturdy. And of course, as you see on the screen, Jonah chapter 1 gives us a good launching pad because I want to speak to you first about Jonah's boat, and we'll look at a few other boats as well through the Scriptures. It's amazing how you look through the Scriptures, and someone told me once, expository preaching or exposing the meaning of the Word of God is speaking about the wasness of the verse and the isness of the verse. That's not good grammar, teachers. I'm sorry. But I thought that has stuck with me because when you consider the wasness of the verse, what was happening when the Scripture happened? What, what is this story about? And then the isness has to apply with how it touches us today. Do you still believe that the Word of God touches us today and has a contemporary word, meaning a right now word for us? I believe it. If, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here trying to share the Word of God or declare the Word of God to you this morning. So there was something that happened back there but all through the Word of God, we get His Word that applies to us today. So here, let, let's just start with, with the Scripture uh, from Jonah chapter 1. Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from, very important preposition there, isn't it? From the presence of the Lord. I think most everyone has heard about Jonah 
and his call to go to Nineveh, his refusal to do that, and how he gets thrown overboard, he's swallowed by a great fish, and then uh, thrown up on shore, and he finally begins to obey God. But when I consider Jonah's boat and why he was there and all that it implied, I first of all see a boat of rebellion. You know, disobedience is rebellion. God had told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Amen? He had told Jonah, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. This is a wicked place. It is a, a place that needs to uh, come to repent and turn to God. But he chooses not to do that. He chooses to rebel against God. It's interesting how we sometimes do. We know what God has told us to do. And we choose not to, and we'll use nice kind of simple terms like disobey. But did you know that disobedience is really rebellion? When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they didn't just do something that God said, y'all probably don't need to go over there. It was in effect an act of rebellion that put their finger in the face of God and said, we know better than you do, God. And we know that Satan was involved in all of this and in his temptation and in his lies and all of that. But when we disobey what God has called us to do, we are in effect saying, I will not do it. I am going to rebel. I told you we've got five grandchildren and uh, the older two, one's five and one is almost five, they're getting to that stage now, right now, where they are kind of testing the waters. They are testing their powers. And you might tell one of them, do so-and-so. And I'll tell you what gets Opa to turn his head about as quick as anything is when that older one, or the one that's almost five, she spends more time with us because she's close to us, when she says, no. Unconditional. <laughs> Unconditional. Uh, Omar will say, do this, pick up those toys or whatever, or take your medicine, or eat that particular food that you need that's on your plate. And she just says, no. Granted, it's not very often. But when I hear that no, that kind of gets my attention. Because, well, I won't get into the past, but I was raised in a home where we did not say no. <laughs> To, to, you know, we might put forth our argument a little bit. But you know what? There's a lot of even Christians today that are looking in the face of God and saying, I know what you said, but no, I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you, if you're in a boat of rebellion this morning, if you're in that boat of disobedience, I don't try to candy coat not doing what God has called you to do. Uh, you, you understand this is a boat of rebellion you need to get out of it. There's also the boat of unconcern that you notice here as well. He had an unconcern for the lost. Noah, Jonah was called, go to Nineveh, preach the word, call them to repentance. And Jonah, in effect, didn't care. You know, I've heard that word, that, 
that excuse these days, well, they're not like us. They don't dress like us. They've got all these piercings or they've got all this ink or whatever it may be. They wouldn't fit around here. Let me tell you, we need a concern for every man, woman, boy, and girl that is going to spend eternity somewhere. And Jonah just simply didn't care. You know, there was almost a positive aspect of this. At least he had some faith. He didn't want to go do it because, you know, he said, if I, in effect, he said, if I go over there and preach, I know what's going to happen. They're going to repent. And they're going to get saved. You know, that would have excited me. You know, that's kind of a guaranteed revival, isn't it? You know, God's called me to do this. There's going to be fruit. There's going to be people that obey, and they're going to come to know God, and they're going to turn from their wicked ways. I'm heading that way. But Jonah didn't want to do that. He didn't have a concern for the loss, so he decided he was go, would go in the opposite direction. And then even cut to the end of the story of Jonah, when actually that has happened. The, the fish incident has taken place. He's gone to Nineveh. He's preached. There's been a revival. You know what Jonah did? You, you, you've heard it many times. He sat down and pouted about it. Oh, God help us to have a concern for the loss that won't let us stay where we are, that will drive us forward, that will get us out of the boat of unconcern, that will get us out of the boat of rebellion, because when it's all said and done, it's also a boat of self-centeredness. I, I should probably just switch and move on from this one. But I'm telling you, Jonah said, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Some of you that are a little bit older, I heard someone say one time, they used the phrase, oh, blue eyes, in a group. And the young people like looked around and, you, you have blue eyes? Or any, anybody know who I'm talking about when I said, use the phrase, oh, blue eyes? Uh, it was Frank Sinatra. Oh, we don't talk about that in church. But... You heard the man, and you've heard, you heard Elvis Presley, and you heard a lot of these guys sing, I did it my way. I heard someone describe that exactly the way it is. That is the anthem of hell. To do it my way is the anthem of hell. That's not casting a, a judgment upon anybody. But the idea that I am always going to do it my way is rebellious. It is unconcerned. It is self-centeredness. I know better than God. And in effect, what Jonah is saying here is, I do know better than you, God. I'm going to do it my way. Can I confess, I've been in that boat a time or two. I think all of us have probably gotten in all of these boats at one time or another. I've certainly been in the boat that said, I really think I know best. When God said, I need you to do so-and-so, or I want you to go so-and-so. I remember one time that God was, we were in the transitional period of, of ministry. It's back in the days when 
when um, churches voted every four years or something, and, and you, you're going to be moved, uh, whether you liked it or not sometimes. But as I was before the conference board, they named this church. And I said, I've never heard one positive word spoken about that church. And you know what I started to say? I started to say, I don't want any of that. But God held my tongue, and he held my heart. He said, don't you dare. Don't, don't, you, don't you cast your decision ahead of what I want you to do. And folks, if you'll be open to God, if you'll listen to God, young people, if you'll listen to God, old people, if you'll listen to God, He'll call you sometimes to some things that are way outside your comfort zone and way outside what you thought were your gifted areas. He will do it time after time after time. I'll tell you, I would have never thought I'd be a preacher. And you, you might say, well, you're not one. So, so, no, I'm not going to preach like some people do. I was on my way to be an accountant. I've kind of made the circle and went on back to school and I pastored churches for 26 years and, and continued my education because I felt like God wanted that training for me and, and that was my gifting. But God somehow took a, a quiet, introverted type of person and said, if I call you to do something, I'm going to enable you to do it. Don't ever tell God what you can and you cannot do because in effect you're saying, God, you can't do this in my life. I tell you, surrender to Him. Don't get in that boat of self-centeredness that says, I'll do it my way. I'm going to go my direction. I would say if you're in that boat of rebellion, Jonah's boat, that boat of rebellion or unconcern for the lost or a boat of self-centeredness and doing it my way, I'd say, get out of that boat. Uh, God has a way of throwing us out of boats sometimes. Jonah would tell us that. And he's got a plan for us even when we rebel. And you know, I, I, let me add this real quick. I like the idea that even when I rebel, even when I'm unconcerned, even when I'm self-centered and it's all about me, God still has a plan for my life. He, he could have let Jonah just rot in the belly of that fish. He could have let Jonah uh, die of suffocation in that fish. He could have allowed that to happen, but God had a plan for Jonah. So don't let the enemy tell you you've gone too far because God loves you. And he'll bring you back as you repent and you surrender to him. Let's go to the New Testament right quick and take a look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 21. I call this James and John's boat. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
I believe this represents, first of all, a boat of religion. A boat of religion. No doubt James and John were average Jewish men raised in the home of a Jewish fisherman named Zebedee. But Jesus was calling them to more than just religion. He was calling them to a relationship. No doubt they had gone through all the exercises of religion. They had checked off all the boxes probably. But Jesus was calling them to more than just what they were. You know as well as I do, religion doesn't get you to heaven. A relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is the only way that gets us into heaven. And I, I, I liked all the songs that we sang this morning. Uh, that first choir special, it spoke of praising Him because of who He is. If I came before you this morning and I said, God hasn't done a thing for me this week. First of all, I'd be lying. I'd be a little ignorant. Because God's constantly doing for us. But if I came before you and said, God's not really done anything for me this week, He'd still be worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship based on who He is. If you have the worst of weeks, come into this house on Sunday morning and lift up your voices to God and worship the God who spoke the worlds into existence and gave His only Son as a sacrifice for us. That's relationship. That is worship. Coming to know Him in a personal way. And religion, you can check off all the boxes all day long. You can never do the things that you're not supposed to do. And you can always do the things that you're supposed to do. But if you don't have real relationship with Jesus, then you're missing out on what He has for you. I call this also a boat of temporary treasure. Those points of the outline are on the next slide. But the results of a hard day's work for these fishermen would be gone very soon. Any fishermen in here you love to get on that nice center console or John boat and, and head on out in the water and do some fishing? Um, I have not done many things in life that I enjoyed that I was satisfied with doing it only once. I will grant you that I've only been deer hunting one time in my life. I shot a deer that day. And I said, well, my rates are going to go down from here, I'm, I'm sure. And I've just never had the chance, really, to go deer hunting again. My son, he, he really enjoys hunting. And, but that's a temporary thing, isn't it? When you catch a mess of fish, it kind of makes you want to go out and do it again after a while. This boat that James and John represents temporary treasure. The harvest that Jesus wanted to give them was not just a mess of fish. And you, you, we're all country. I was raised in Falcon, you know, big city. And you raised here in Johnston County, maybe. We know what a mess of fish is. I mean, we don't know how many it is necessarily. It could be 10, it could be 100. But 
this harvest would only satisfy for a little while. What Jesus was calling them to do was to be fishers of men. When you touch a life, you are touching that life for eternity. There's a young man in Sioux Falls this morning. I hope you're hearing me. God does love you. He cares about you. And no matter how bad things may get, and to you here in, in Pine Level and wherever you may be listening to this, God cares about you. And for that child of God that needs to be faithful in ministry, I'm telling you, there's nothing quite that feels so good as to know that you have positively influenced someone's life. And granted, I'm going to go ahead and say it. There's enough of people out there that will negatively influence a life. They have the gift of criticism. They have the gift of running down or whatever. But I tell you what, when you positively touch someone's life, it'll thrill you and it, it, it'll give you that urge to do even more of it and to touch someone for the glory of God. And I'm here to tell you, even the smallest thing, the smallest thing that you may do for someone may be a change in their life today. There are a lot of people that are hurting. Do you understand that? And that, you know, can, can I be blunt with you? I've been sometimes stopped at a McDonald's or whatever or gone to Walmart and people checking me out. I mean, they were just... I mean, I want to say, you've had, you're having a bad day, aren't you? you? You've never had anybody like that, I'm sure, right? But you, you get those people that snap at you or, or, you know, just grunt at you or whatever. And, you know, it'd be easy just walk on and say, well, good enough for you. You act like that, you're going to get like that. But you know what you can do? You can do some just simple, nice manners, things. Uh, my, my granddaughter starting to say, I've got to have good manners. That so-and-so's good manners, and this is good manners. And I'm telling you what, if children of God from Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church and wherever you may be from can't give an encouraging word to somebody that's having a bad day, we, I tell you, we need to get back to the cross. Say, God, do a work in me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Give me that joy again and help me to encourage someone. It will change someone's life, and they may remember you. They, that may be the one thing that keeps them from committing suicide or going out and just totally throwing their lives away. Well, somebody was nice to me today. So you can do that. So... There's just that temporary treasure that this boat represents. Also, it represents a boat of unfruitfulness. If they had stayed on that boat, they would have made no lasting mark on the world in which they lived. But Jesus called them, and he's calling us today, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They, they would not have real fruit but we are here today because they obeyed the call. And I'm telling you, you're also here today because of somebody that helped plant this church. Now, I don't know the history of Pine Level Church, 
But I do know they had courage enough to do what needed to be done in the name of Jesus and touch people's lives. And you know what? I've got a good feeling they probably didn't care if people grumbled about them doing it the new, a new way or whatever. But they believed that something here was worth investing in. So I trust today that you'll get out of that boat of unfruitfulness. Let's hurry on here. Let's take a look at Peter's boat. And this will be the last one, so I'm not going to keep you, you know, till 1.30 like Brother Farrell does. So <laughs> I love Brother Farrell. I really do. Um, Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, you know the story. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, his disciples in the boat, walking on the sea. Jesus goes to the boat. He walks out onto the sea to the boat. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And that, that's an easy word. I think they were scared half to death. It's a ghost. They cried out for fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. Hey, our contemporary is probably not in contemporary anymore. But chill out. Just calm down. Calm down. It's I. Don't be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. It amazes me how many people love to just bypass that altogether and talk about only about him sinking when he got his eyes on the wind and the waves. And that's an important part of the story. But folks, I'll tell you, Peter walked farther on water than any of us have. He was getting out of the boat of comfort. He was just relaxed. Sure, it was stormy. Sure, he sees something, someone that he thinks is a ghost, I think just like everyone else, until Jesus says, hey, calm down, it's me, it's, it's your master, it's Jesus. But he's right there where it's comfortable. He's there where everything is okay. Preacher, you mean we need to get out of a boat of comfort sometimes? Serving Jesus is not guaranteed comfortable. Serving Jesus is not guaranteed to be smooth sailing and really doing what he wants to do in your life. But when Peter got out of that boat, he got out of that boat of comfort. He also got out of that boat of unbelief. Why didn't all those fellows do it? Why didn't they jump out as well? And they all go together here, a boat of peer pressure as well from the other disciples. 
But Peter was willing to get out of this boat of just taking it easy. Can I say, senior saints, be careful that you don't get to the place of saying, I've done my job. It's time for the younger ones to do it. You may not do the same job as you did when you were younger, but God's got something for you to do. Something for you to do. One of the treasures that I have in my possession are some handwritten journals from my maternal grandmother. She lived in the home that I was raised in, and she helped take care of three boys while my mother was postmaster down at the post office there in Falcon. I was raised in Falcon in addition to living there now. But my grandmother, we called her Mama Altry. She had these composition books that she wrote things in. And that is one of my greatest treasures that I have in my possession right now. And as she got older, she had glaucoma and almost blind. And the, you can just watch her progression in age as the writing gets a little bit different. But one of the, one of the accounts that I love to look at in her diary, if you will, is where she wrote she had always wondered what it would be like to just be in the presence of God all night long. She had her side room in our house, old house, and she had always wondered what it would be like to be in the presence of God all night long. And she wrote the account. I can't quote all the account. But at some point, God came down into her room, which was a regular room of prayer. And she just worshiped and fellowshiped with God. I don't know. It may have been laying on her bed. It may have been sitting in her chair. But she remembers not going to sleep the whole night, but being refreshed in the morning because she had actually spent the whole night in the presence of her almighty Lord and Savior. And her favorite song, I remember, her favorite hymn was, My Wonderful Lord, My Wonderful Lord, by angels and seraphs in heaven adored. And she wrote about that night and made a few comments, and she would write down the words to, to old songs and poems that she remembered and how beautiful it was. She and she also had lined up on her dresser in front of her mirror, pictures of missionaries around the world. Those missionaries had dark hair, and I was blessed to be raised in Falcon, and I've been blessed to be able to work for the North Carolina Conference now for, for 15 years. So I've known a lot of the same missionaries, the sister... Um, Gaya that lives right, right close to here, Gaya List. And, and I've been able to tell them, I grew up seeing your picture on my grandmother's dresser and how she prayed for you. And I've gotten to know some of those older missionaries, many of them that have gone on to be with the Lord now. But because my grandmother 
She lived to, I think, 89 or something like that. My grandmother knew that even though she couldn't teach her Sunday school class anymore at church, she could pray, she could send cards, and she could do so many things. I started all that by simply saying, Senior saints, don't you think your ministry's done? It's just transition to a new thing. And I heard just in the last week about the power of Naomi to minister to Ruth. God raise up Naomi's in our church that will minister to younger Ruth's and encourage them and make a difference in their lives. And the same goes for men. Oh, God, raise up godly men that will, will love younger men and will show them how to be godly Christian men as they move forward for the Lord. So if you're in a sinking ship, Get out of it, wherever it may be. Now, that sounds like an awful negative sermon, doesn't it? All the things that we need to get out of. But having said that, I think that all of us have been in one of these boats or multiples of these boats at one time or another. On this last slide, I want to remind you, for those tired from the struggle in sinking ships, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, meek in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. There's no doubt in my mind whether it be in this congregation or around the world by Facebook Live or however it may be, I'm talking to somebody that's been in a boat that seems like it's going down. The water's rising. You can't bail it out fast enough. And you're just about worn out from your situation. I'm telling you, Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest. Take, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, and I'll help you. I'll take what you need. I'll take what's hurting you and turn it into something that will build and glorify my kingdom. So I encourage you today, whatever shape and ship you may find yourself in, we have a Savior. We have a Redeemer we have someone who paid the price. And I know sometimes it's tempting to say, I've made such a mess, I, I guess I'd just as well be courageous and go down with the ship. Let me tell you something. There's nothing courageous about going down with the ship when there is a lifeboat ready for you. And whatever you call it, the cross is our salvation. Come to the cross. Come to Jesus and know that you don't have to keep struggling with these things that you have struggled with all your life. Give it to Jesus. Let Him have control and know that He cares about you. Would you stand with me? God is here. He is able. He is able to deliver you from whatever ship you may find yourself in.
I tell you, there's another message that's in God's Word. This message is get out of the boat. There's ample messages in God's Word that turn it around and say, get in the boat. But I've given you a few boats that you probably need to get out of and surrender it to God and let Him have control in your life. Would you join me for prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for caring about us. Thank you, Lord, when it seems like our ship is about to go under. You have reached out to us like you reached out to Peter, slipping beneath the waves. You've taken us by the hand, even at a quick, short prayer, Lord, save me. And you reached out and took us by the hand, and you established us. You established our, our goings, as the Word of God says. And you set us on a journey that would find fruitfulness and obedience and blessing and concern for the lost. You put us on a road that would lead to a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God, you put us on a boat that would lead to fruitfulness. God, there are a lot of people that are just so frustrated that all they're doing is just living their lives and they want to see fruit in their ministry. God, save, sanctify. And Lord, for that Christian that's not gone on to deeper experiences, baptize them with your Holy Ghost so that they may be empowered to reap fruit for your kingdom. God, you're so good. Church, right where you are, would you just surrender to him today? Just honest to Him in your own way. God sees your heart. God, I surrender to You. Lord, I, I'm sorry for the times that I have rebelled against You or gone my own way. Lord, turn my life around. Make me different by the power of the blood of Jesus that's shed for me on Calvary. Lord, I want to give you my all. I want to leave this life having given you everything I can. I don't want to stand before you one day and have any idea that I didn't give you everything. God, I know we're saved by grace and we'll go to heaven by grace alone. But Lord, one day I'll stand before you for the things that I've done and I'll be rewarded based on those things. God, let it be that I have invested gold, silver, and precious stones and not wasted my life on things made of wood and hay and stubble that are just burnt up and of no great value. Lord, thank you for Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church. Lord, you care about this church. And you care about the people in this church. God, I just pray that you would use every single person in this building and beyond that claims a part of this church. 
to build it up in the most holy faith, to encourage and lift up and edify and make a positive difference in their community for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We love you. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church. The Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page, that's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel, get notifications when we go live, and you watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.